This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, This is Not Another Church Podcast, and I'm your host, Pastor Tom Harrison. Uh, Today, joining me is Matt. What's up? And Donna. Hello, everyone. So... um, we are going to continue our uh, conversation in Bible stories for adults, uh, where we're, we're kind of going back through the Old Testament, going back through some of those Bible stories that we, we first were exposed to with flannel graphs and um, in children's church, and we're, we're digging a little bit deeper and trying to, to learn a little bit more. So last week, we looked at what led up to the fall, and this week, I thought we would look at the curse. Because when there are actions, there are consequences. And there are some things that happen in between those two things that we, we really need to touch on. So where we left it was uh, Adam was standing there. Adam, who had been set up as the king of the earth, literally, he had been given dominion over everything, is standing there in passivity watching uh, humanity plunge off the cliff. Yes, yes, yes. And... Um, Passive being the important yes. description there as we go through that. And you look at that and go, what was he thinking? What was going through his mind? Well, and, you know, I will say as a man. Um, he was wondering what was for supper, if you say that. <laughs> no, but I will say, though, there is something, uh, a temptation that naturally lies in men that says, avoid the hassle. You know, anything that I can do to... Do not poke the bear. Exactly. Just don't, just don't do it. Why would I? There's why. Um, why would I need to? So women are the bear. Is that what you're going with? That's no, a whole no, other bear is podcast. Con- bear, we'll is, have. bear is conflict in general. Anything yes. that messes up my flow, that's good and okay. just easy. Okay. Good comeback. Anything I like that the is. So that. it could be a woman. It could be another man that you have issues with. It could be any anything. Anything. Just don't poke the bear of conflict. Just don't do it. And, well, just anything. Anything at all that's going to be a hassle. We just so this this is something that started with Adam. I mean, clearly, why was he clearly <laughs> because but he's why? standing there going, "Well, that snake is talking." But huh. but he's the king. I mean, if he's already been appointed, sin is not inhabited the earth yet. Why is he passive? Well, and but we can see how many. Men, do we see in ministry where um, passivity is a real problem in their life? Yeah. Touche. I mean, true point. And I will say, in my own heart, if you get get in the lazy boy, you get, you know, exactly everything the way you like it, and somebody goes, hey, there's a leak in the kitchen, part of you goes, well. Probably should call somebody about that. Why don't you put a bucket (laughs) under that? Because I'm, I've already got my my drink the way I like it. I'm already see. I, why would I want to get up right now? That- Just the other day, Ben walks in the door. I mean, literally, my husband is walking in the door, and I'm like, um, "The washing machine is overflowing," <laughs> you know. And he was so not happy about that moment. He, he, I mean, he did a great job. He went and immediately was responsible and adulted and did all the things he was supposed to. But yeah, I, that day was a, a perfect example of the. I've just walked in the door. Oh, I mean, literally on Sunday, William left here 
and went to, he thought he had been smelling burning oil, which he wasn't telling me about. Yeah. Um, Not till it's a problem. And so he, he left here, went to, to the local auto parts place, and went in to get oil because he was going to change his oil because that would magically fix an oil leak. <laughs> um, and comes out and recognizes that there's this huge puddle of gasoline under the car because what he was actually smelling was this leak in the fuel line. He call, And he calls me, and my first response was to be really angry. It wasn't his fault. That Your was, facial expression was totally there. I walked in the office as you were sitting there. <laughs> and, and you really want to, to just say, don't you realize that this is Sunday, and so I'm supposed to get a nap? <laughs> <laughs> I've just preached the word of God and served my Savior. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Matt, you totally missed that. He, I, I went walking in the office the other day, and he sat there in his facial expression, you know. And I, I, I just said, everything go all right with I mean, your sermon? It sounds like it's William's fault. I, you know? yeah, I think you're fine. Yeah, yeah. it's totally William's fault. <laughs> so, uh, But I could see that my entire, the whole rest of my day was mm-hmm. now going to be covered in grease Under underneath car. the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I asked him, Where, where's the leak? He goes, uh, driver's side. I'm like, oh, son, I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> passivity is a decision. And, in fact, yeah. at Honeymooner Sunday night, as we were talking about, <coughs> we were going through different ways you can bless your wife and different ways your wife's, uh, wives can bless their husbands, this idea of passivity came up. And, and I reiterated to those guys, recognize that putting a decision off is a decision. I can't st- I am almost like, and this is not, I don't mean this braggadociously. I'm so impatient the other way. Like as soon as something is messed up or a decision needs to be made, I'll do it and usually do it to where I'm so, again, impatient or not necessarily impromptu, Anxious. but yeah, a, a little Anxiety bit. Anxiety is usually uh, at the heart uh, of A little bit. Yeah. It, it's because, oh, it's broke. Guess what? I'll fix it. I mean, it's done. I don't know how I'm going to fix it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but guess what? We're going to fix it because I felt like my dad was like that. My dad, which is, it's not bad it's not bad of my dad but it's like oh we'll, we'll give get, it a few we'll, kids we'll, and some exhaustion and, and, and <laughs> i guess maybe so we'll, we'll get around we'll to it it'll get, years, it'll, yeah. get, it'll get fixed we'll get around to it i was like no if there's an issue or just do it now like okay so uh about a year ago we uh remodeled our house we had a water leak and with insurance stuff we just kind of we the way it worked was really bad leak a water main froze up during january got re- dropped really got cold and it busted up a shower main in the bathroom and the morning, I walked out the next morning. We had, at the time had carpet, and I walked out. And my feet went squish, and I was like, "This Ugh. is a bad. This Ugh. is bad. This is not good." And so it had gotten like the master bath, master bedroom into the living room, and so it was just like, I mean, we had to remodel the, almost half of the house. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, I was like, you know what? We're going to take this. The house is already cleared out of a bunch of stuff. We're just going to fix out. So we're just going to clean out a bunch of other stuff. We have like an upstairs loft, and it had it just became that just where we put all the junk and. I wanted to clear out all the junk. It might have been my mom's. It might have been somebody else's. It might have been somebody else's mom's. Or it could have been some. I don't know what you were it just was. Ready to handle but it. But it was. It was a good time for us to get it gone. And so um, my dad was like, "Oh, we'll we'll get around to it." And I was like, 
oh, okay, okay, what about now? Oh, we'll get around to it. It's like, oh, okay, okay, oh, we'll get around to it. And I was like, no, forget that. Like, no, absolutely now, now, not. Now, just so you know, you've got you and your dad handling it two different ways. Yeah. That's going to be true when you get married, too. Yeah, and God that's always kinda, puts those two different people together. And one so, wants to handle it now, and, and one wants to be like, oh, this, we'll get it. To me, it worked out perfectly because I got what I wanted, and it got clean. To him, he was a little bit more upset, and it was one of those things <laughs> yeah. where I chose to ask for forgiveness, not permission. And I had me and two other buddies bring their trucks. And I, I called Center of Hope on a pickup day, and uh, which is a thrift store that will come pick up your junk for you. And I said, hey, you guys, we're, we're clearing this out today. And my dad got home from work that day, and that loft was it was clean. Let me tell you, and it's spotless now. It is absolutely clean. A lot of, lot of room for activities up there. Or um, for a new pile of junk as the years progress. No, no. There, when, when, as I'm there, there's no – I'm not a minimalist, but – I don't like unnecessary. I don't like unnecessary junk. And I say all that to come back to. I'm. I. I, I think I struggle with the opposite end of that. Of obviously, in some ways, I'm going to be passive. But in some ways, I'm so impatient to get something done. And I don't know if that's for me to feel like I'm getting something done and feel like I'm productive or whatever. Uh, but I'll struggle. So you I'll see struggle the two with. Sides the, I'll struggle you. with the other way of it right. as well. Yeah, because just a few minutes ago, we were as we were discussing this, you were talking about don't poke the bear. So yeah. you understand that, yeah. and you see the split in your own personality, where we all have both sides of us, depending on whether I want to handle it yeah. that if day it's or not. Cause, if it's going to cause me trouble or something I don't like, then I'm not poking it. But yeah. if yeah. I get rid of your if junk, it's, yeah. if it's something I want, or if you want me to get rid of your junk yeah, for you, I'll do it. And that's to. where it comes down to is what that's I want or what I don't want. And and I will say for for my wife, one of the most frustrating things. That I do is I will get a project three quarters of the way done, oh, and then oh and then it, it works. I still have some trim oh. in my kitchen that is not yes. nailed down. That, that oh, finished no. trim. Uh, oh, it just drives that me last insane. Last piece of uh, flooring going down that has to be cut at a weird oh. angle, and so and and I will put it off until uh, I'm like, wow, it's been like five years since I've worked on that. <laughs> No, until you have to do something again and until you go, else was this never put yes. back yeah. in place? Oh. Hey, who took up that molding? You did about 10 years ago, Big. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in Genesis 3, 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they knew something was up. They're not, they're not confused that we need to hide from God now. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, Oh, well, let's stop there. So <laughs> yeah, we already there. have the, the seeds of false religion. Man didn't do what God had told him to do, and so man then comes up with a solution on his own by hiding himself, and instead of being obedient to God, he comes up with his own way. And so we see the beginnings of false religion right here. Adam and his wife will cover themselves with, with leaves, which is, an, is not the acceptable m mode. It, it's just man trying to do something to grope in the dark to restore a relationship with God. That is, by definition, false religion. Right. As opposed to allowing God to define how he wants us to come to him. So God asked him, what's up? Now, then Adam says, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and ate. Well, first of all, 
this sounds like a three-year-old because this is exactly <laughs> how when I walk into the room and there's there's uh, pasta sauce all over the floor and I go, what is going on? And when my kid goes, well, so and so said we were going to make your some- kid so and so said we were. <laughs> So it's passing the blame. And here we've got to be really careful. And I usually will ask people, who is Adam blaming? And they'll almost always say, Eve, read it carefully. Who's he blaming? He blames God. He's blaming God. This woman you gave me. If you hadn't given me such a broke woman. And so. Also, bad argument. Also, every time. <laughs> every time. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Uh, don't don't that, also time. a bad argument. That one doesn't work either. Don't blame <laughs> yes. God. Don't blame the woman. Did, neither. Neither. I'm gonna say anytime we blame others for our mistakes, we try to use victimhood to say these things happened to me and that's why. Um, we tell our kids if they apologize and it's followed by a conjunction, then it's not a real apology. See, I'm sorry, but. So here Adam is is passing the buck to back to God. It's your fault. If you hadn't given me this woman, then there wouldn't be a problem. Which is if you sometimes we and we'll we're gonna get to the story of Esau and Jacob, but I, I, I had this Sunday someone asked me, why could Esau saw not repent? Even though he sought it with tears. He really wanted to. And so I actually pointed back to this text and said and and pointed out that Esau wasn't repenting and trying to restore his relationship with God. He wanted his money back. Mm. He wanted his stuff. Mm. He well he wanted he wanted the consequences to be taken away. And so often, and how often I was do say, we see oh, that? Goodness, that hits wow, me. yeah. That's so I'm going to go to jail because I've been stealing from my taxes. God, please forgive me. Are we really asking God to forgive us, or are we saying, take the consequences away? Usually I don't want a one. spanking. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And how often are my motives not pure in that moment? Well, I don't think, I think in the fallen world, our motives are never completely right. pure. I would agree. But, and that, but you, you start to look at your own heart in that time, and you go, wow, okay. Which I think one of the signs of true repentance is recognizing the ugliness of our sin so that we say, I deserve punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah. so the punishment that will be meted out, I deserve. So, God, whether or not the punishment happens is immaterial. I need your forgiveness. And we see that in David's heart in Psalm 51. Against you and you only mm-hmm. have I sinned and done this great wickedness in your sight, so that the bones that you've broken may rejoice. He's not asking God to to take away the punishment. He's saying that I can rejoice in the punishment, recognizing that I deserve this. And so here, Adam is not at that place. He is still passing the buck. And God, just like when he said, Adam, where are you? He didn't really need to know. He knew where Adam was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So who told you you were naked? He knew he had already eaten. So but God is letting, is walking them to self-realization, and he often does that with us. He, his mercy, his patience as he walks them through that, and I've seen that in my own life at times, things that I have battled against in my walk with Christ or what I'm doing in, you know, and how he continuously is asking me questions and leading me towards him. 
and how often my rebellious heart wants to say, it's not my fault, you That's know. Right. Yeah. It's this woman. It's, it's this, this man it's you gave this me. It's this man you gave me, God, <laughs> or these children. <laughs> so God plays along. It's this woman, so he turns to the woman. And say, God does and says, what is this that you've done? And the woman passes the buck. So God, the man says, it's this woman's fault. God says, well, and the woman that says, it's the snake's fault. And so God doesn't ask the snake because snakes aren't supposed to talk. So <laughs> the Lord God said to the servant, serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. It's biblical that we should hate snakes. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Yes, because we're all this, from the seed of, of uh, Eve. Yes, so, yes. Um, and, and I just don't like them. Recognize that in this there. curse, we I had can't. that mix between the serpent, who's somehow culpable, and, and honestly, I preacher hat off. I don't understand how this creature I don't understand is how, yeah, I, I, as you were reading that, my first thought goes back to, again, how, how did we physically hold this, the serpent itself responsible? But somehow, yes. he does. So, But we know that he's talking to both Satan and the serpent. And the serpent, right. And that, there's a lot of times as I'm reading the Bible, the question will pop in my head, is this spiritual or physical? Well, and maybe this is just something, I, I, I don't know, I'm arguing out loud as I'm going through my head, but maybe this is something where it's just a reminder to us of this story, just right. like the rainbow oh, it, yes. it reminds us of that story. This is just another physical representation for us. Whenever you see a snake and inside of you, everything goes, yeah. <laughs> Biblical. Biblical. Yes. It's biblical. I do not exactly. mess with them. I don't, I don't, I don't like snakes, and I, I, I will, one of the, one of the, my interactions with snakes, I haven't shot up the house for a snake like somebody we know, and I won't say his name, uh, but uh, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. He I was he shoot. He just wanted to. I was, uh, I was working a job that was, uh, the customer that I was dealing with was international, so I was working all night and sleeping during the day. And Anne was uh, home with the kids, and Emily, Molly, and William were all little bitty. And so I woke up to the sound of squealing girls, and um, and then and the Anne starts yelling, "Tom, Tom!" And so I come down the stairs. I'm like, "What is going on?" She's like, "There's a snake in the cabinet." And I'm oh, like, no. "No, there's not." <laughs> and cause, and I'm thinking that it's a toy snake. It's like, but. And it wasn't like early spring when snakes will sometimes come in. I'm yeah. like, there's not a snake in the cabinet. The snake's not going to get in the cabinet. And so Anne had taken And you're coming out of a sound sleep, yeah, too. Yeah. You're not logically thinking this through. You're just thinking, there's not a snake in the house. Let me alone. And so <laughs> she's like, it, it is. The, ki the kid saw it. I saw it. It's it there. And so we, she had a cabinet that was one of the lower cabinets by the dishwasher that she made the kid sippy cups and the little little bowls and the little plates. And she gets it's in there. So And there... They're like all standing on couches as if that's going to affect anything. <laughs> they're, but they're giving me directions. Snakes don't like furniture. That's right. I, I open the, the door, and I, I'm still half asleep. And sure enough, there's like a, 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 a pine snake or a green snake that's coiled up amongst the sippy cups. Oh, my goodness. So I take, take the sippy cup and kind of hold his head and reach in there and, and grab this thing. And I'm... Uh, you know, I went back in the living room. I'm like, here it is. Uh. And then, then I... It, the snake starts wrapping around my 
arm and tr- trying to turn his head to bite me. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I'm trying to be the big man. Ah, oh, the snake's going to get you. But at this point, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable. I mean... <laughs> Because a snake is really just one big muscle. And yeah. so far, that's an understatement of the broadcast today. And, and so I'm, there would have been no playing. <laughs> would have been no playing whatsoever. So I really want to get this snake out of my hand it's at this point. Camp. And so I go to the kitchen to go open the door, and there's a deadbolt lock that the key had been turned, and the key's not in it. <laughs> so I've got the snake in my hand, and I'm now beyond uncomfortable because this thing's coiling and uncoiling around my arm. It's flipping and trying flipping to do and all trying this, to, yeah. trying to bite me, and I'm like, where's the key to the deadbolt? And he's like, it's in there. And I'm like, well, come unlock it because I've only got one inch. He's like, I ain't getting off the couch. <laughs> so, so did you go back through the living room to the other yes. door? <laughs> so I have, to, I, have, I have to go through all these these iterations and macerations to get outside. And by that point, I'm scared to throw the snake because the snake is so agitated. That he's, he's, he's doing everything. Yeah. So I literally have a tiger by the tail. <laughs> what do I do with it? <laughs> because if it's all cold around my arm, if I release it, all it's going to do is come back and bite me. <laughs> Long and short, I don't like snakes. <laughs> and I ended up, I think, bashing this, like stunning the snake in, against like the brick on the side of the house and then chucking it. And then um, coming back later and it was gone, so I didn't feel as guilty. Because my, my, I had a grandmother that would give me a whoopet if you killed a snake that's a good snake oh um, and see here's the that's the issue though for most people do we ever find a good snake and i do realize that they eat the bad snakes and they eat the bugs and they you know eat, eat do, rats and, yeah they do the things that we want them to do but i'll never forget walking out of the house one day and um i had one and i killed it it was on the steps um and i jumped over it run got a shovel chopped its head off and i just left it laying there because you know that's all I was going to do. I That's killed right. it. My job's done. I, my job is done. That's all, you know, husband material right there. Ben came home from work like to freak out because he come walking up and there's this big snake laid out, you know. No, no, I can't. <laughs> Snakes I cannot, are not, not. I cannot. Not. Not a friend. Not a friend. What's, uh, why, why would people handle them, especially in a church? Like, why can't we look at other stuff that. Yeah, I've got a whole Bible. I'm not going to park on Mark 16. Yeah, like, I'm not. Like, you know, Gideon used some, some sheep wool to, to see if God was, was for real or not. Let's try that. That seems innocent. You know, I mean, a sheep had to die. I hate that. I'm so sorry. But it's but not going to. Yeah, the, 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 the sheep skin's not going to bite anybody. Like, Gideon was all about that. So let's do that. I'll try. I'll test that one out. I'm not handling more snakes. I'm not doing that. You know, somebody listening to us. I handle snakes, y'all. We're not doing it. We're not oh, doing it. Okay, so the snake is told that between the woman and the snake, he would put enmity in between her offspring, and that is literally in the Hebrew seed, between her seed and your seed. He shall bruise your head, and he shall bruise your heel. This is the first prophecy of somebody's got to come. And the breach between God and man has just happened, and God is saying from this woman that God's going to do the miracle that he's going to do through humanity, someone is coming. Yeah. The drumbeat will continue, and we're going to see over and over and over and over again as we look at these Bible stories that everything is screaming, something's got to come fix this. As we watch the kings of Israel, at their very best, they're pretty lame, and then they get worse and worse and worse. Nobody is good enough to own the throne of God's people. Right. 
somebody's got to come. Yeah, our students, we're teaching through Solomon right now. And, uh, I mean, not through Solomon, we're teaching through Proverbs and talking a lot about Solomon during all this. And I'm constantly having a reminder, like, look, Solomon's preaching this. Solomon's telling this to to his son about about being wise and all these things. And, and he, he, didn't hold, he didn't he hold did up his end of this <laughs> no. at all. Like, he doesn't hold up his end of this at all. He doesn't, he doesn't follow any of this. Mankind and, but the heart. You see that in Solomon's story still. So many times we've, I, I'd looked at, hey, if only Solomon had, you know, had, had had really held tight to this one, and if he only had really, if if he only real, if he had actually, it's and it's almost, and then it's just son. so ironic. Like last week we were in Proverbs sixteen where it says, wisdom and knowledge is better than all the gold and all the silver. And I was like, man. Solomon, if you had like, just added and the ladies and the ladies and the like, ladies, <laughs> like this is. Well, he talks, his, about, he talks about lady wisdom, and it's like, that's not the one you were chasing, my guy. Like, and, and then you look at it, and you look at what happens with his son, and then you have Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and then the nation splits. Yep. And then we run into what you're talking about. We prove over and over again that no one is qualified to fill the throne. Exactly. And so the, this is the beginning of human history, and in the beginning we see, we, just like we said last week, we see that Satan's temptations are exactly the same. As we see the curse, to some degree, the curse is almost God just saying, in a fallen world, this is the way it is. This is the way that we act, that, that humans act. And so I'm, I want to read the, the curse of the, uh, to Eve and to Adam at the same time because I want us to look at some of the con- contrast between them. So to the woman, he says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. I, I got nothing to say there except... I'm so thankful that women are the ones that go through this and not men because I really think when you go back to our disposition as a man man and not wanting to poke the bear, that the human species would have ended a long time ago if we had had to go through childbirth. I was not fooling with it. Sorry about that. That that was painful. I'm out. I had a kidney stone once, and I I knew that was coming. I had a kidney stone one time, and I'm not doing that, and so I'm very thankful that you know, my, my, my fiance and all, all the moms out there, thank you so much. For what yeah, you my, I mean, Ann did it five times. Gosh. Knowing what it was going to be like. Um, so, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the first thing is, is Eve's is really short. Yeah. And Adam's is very descriptive. Um, to Eve, or to Adam, he tells Adam what he's going to do. And to Eve, he tells her how she's going to feel. To Adam, uh, it has a lot about his vocation, and to Eve, it's about her relationships. Now, I'm not trying to, to push a stereotype, because obviously there are always differences in each individual human, because we're all, um, every human is a mix between a man and a woman. <laughs> yes. So I'm just pointing uh, this out. Ah, uh, yes. But... Um, <coughs> We're not confusing genders with that. That's a different. Generally <laughs> speaking, my experience is is that this plays out almost stereotypically. That, in fact, I I, I learned a lesson. I uh, I for a while had a period where uh, I was doing a lot of counseling with soldiers, 
Marines and um, airmen who had been in conflict and combat and were dealing with PTSD. And so they would get a letter from the VA that they had to have a counselor that they met with them, and, the, and they had to, they didn't have a choice if they were going to keep up with their stuff. They would have to come see somebody. And I would sit down with them, and they would stare across sitting in my office, and it was just really unproductive. They had to be there in their mind. Whether that's true or not is, is immaterial because they really didn't have to be. Uh, but, but they felt like that, that they were being forced to do this. Um, they had chosen a preacher from the list because they figured it would be easier and lamer, just like we all do, you know, when we're, we're in college and you look at the rate my professor, uh, this guy <laughs> is super easy, yep. so that's the one yep. I'm taking. Um, and so I, I could not get them to open up, could not get them to talk. And so I, I started doing something where I would say, hey, I've got some things to do. Would you mind walking with me while I go do them? And with men, sitting there like you're in the principal's office across from somebody, I would get nothing. But once we were walking through the park and moving some stuff around, all of a sudden they're opening up. They're starting to talk. We men are, if they're acting and they're moving, we will, we will start talking with each other. We're doing something. That's why men, if you ever go to a party, are all hanging out by the grill because we're acting, feeling like we're doing something. Whereas um, women, okay, let me, let me back this up. So one of the problems that I've always had as a, as a husband is my wife will look at me and say, this is going on, and she'll tell me some problem. By the time she's halfway into describing the issue, you I'm, figured out how to I'm solve fixing it, it right? Yes. I, I, I know how to fix this. Yes. This is easy. You're trying to repair it. And so we'll, she'll finish telling me, and I'm like, um, all right, so what you need to do, and I'll do it usually because I'm an idiot, in the, in the most mansplaining, obnoxious way, here's what you need to do to fix this. Or I will go in my ignorance and fix it. The story that I've told from the pulpit, which actually really happened, uh, I'd been married for probably six months, and Ann had a job. Um, I'll leave some of the details out because I, all of the players are still alive. Um, <laughs> yes. Ann had a job, and she ended up making a, a mistake at the job and, and making a huge mess. And she was she was working in food service and made this huge mess, and her boss uh, cusses her out in front of uh, her fellow employees and just dog cussed her, humiliated her, made her feel worthless. So she came home. She's upset, and I'm like, I, what's going on? And she so she she tells me what happened, and so in my mind, I'm going to fix this. So what I did was I went to the office that this guy worked, and I walked in the door. And as I walked in the door, he the guy had never met me before. He looks up from his desk and says, "Who are you?" And I said. I'm the guy that's about to teach you a lesson. I actually used more colorful language than that, but I turned as I said it and locked the door from the inside, which I could see on his face gave, gave him this look of horror. So I took my belt off and wore him out like he was a little kid, chased him around the room, and he was a big guy. Um, chased him around the room with that belt and wore him out and said, if you, you ever think of my wife's name again, I'm going to haunt your dreams, and then stormed out, thinking I'm the white knight. I fixed this problem. <laughs> Right, so I'm going to go, in my mind, I really thought I would go home, tell Ann what I had done, and that she was going to run up and hug me and smooch me and thank you so much. 
You are so manly. <laughs> That's right. I'm just the testosterone just dripping <laughs> off of me <laughs> as I walk in the door. Let me tell you what I did. I took care of this problem. And of yeah. course, she's horrified <laughs> that I've just humiliated her in front of all these people that she had worked around. And I quit for her, um, obviously. <laughs> And so now we don't have this in source of income, and we're both trying to take classes and go to school. And it's going to go all over campus. Uh, yes. And this was an on-campus job, and so now everybody's going to know, know about it. I know the details. <laughs> so everybody's going to know about yes. it. Yes. Um, yeah, that was not how that was supposed to be handled. So <laughs> now when my aunt starts telling me a problem, I'll say, whoa, whoa, stop. Is this a problem that you need me to solve? Because sometimes she'll tell me a problem, and, and it is. She's like, hey, the, the sink is leaking, and it's going everywhere every time I use the garbage disposal. That's not just her venting. You know, yes. She, she yes. wants me to get up and go fix it. Sometimes, though, if she's telling me about this friend of hers that, that has said these things or is acting in this way, I, I'm not supposed to fix it. I'm just supposed to, and I'm air quoting here, be there for her. Yes. You are supposed to be there for her. And I will you say. Listen, as she's working it out, because a lot of times our talking to you about something is I'm resolving it in my head. Am I going to A, do something about it, or am I going to B, is this a let it go? Is this one of those where I realize it's not important enough for there to be a confrontation or conflict with it? But, boy, I just want somebody to look at me and go, that's unfair. Yes. And see, men, <clears throat> no offense, and I'm sure I know there are exceptions, once we hear that I don't need you to do anything, we don't oh, really hear a whole lot after you that. check out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's <laughs> over here with a look on his face. Yeah. I mean, you do tend to check out, but we need, okay, but we need somebody to listen. And what you're doing. And go, doing, girlfriend. <laughs> That ain't right. That ain't right. Or, you know, just say, I believe you. Just say that it's not fair to you. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. You know, I, I don't want somebody to always fix the Let's problem. Let's go eat some ice cream together and watch The Notebook. I don't know what to do here. I got <laughs> nothing. I'll watch The Notebook. Titanic. <laughs> Let's just throw them all out. Just, yeah. You, you want to you go eat? <laughs> that's, that's not usually. It's like, oh, you you. You need to go get some chips are, and salsa. So men, naturally, in their hearts, what they want to do is mess this up by fixing it. And women, generally speaking, want to discuss it. So but, Adam and Eve, somebody's doing something and the other person is relational. They just yes. want to talk it through. I want, to, I want you to know me. I want you to see me. And I want you to love me as I am. And, and if you look at, we, we read on the women's curse your desire shall be for your husband he shall rule over you if i've i've even heard it preach where it's like the wife is going to love her husband no that word desire That's the next the means. next time that hebrew word is used is that sin has its desire for you and it's crouching at the door yes. Yes. and so the natural tendency after the fall is the wife fighting for control and the natural tendency is for the husband to fight for control and let me just really blow your mind. You still see that in the church. Oh, yeah. You, definitely you see it in church. But I also I was thinking as you were reading that we're talking about it, I'll never forget when I got, um, obviously anybody listens to this or knows me knows that I like to talk. But I have girlfriends who don't 
talk as much or people that I have worked with over the years. And it was in my twenties that I was working for a woman who was very, uh, she was my boss and she was kind of quiet. And so we're talking it through and I was, you know, kind of just talking about a Bible story about, I remember it was a Bible lesson I'd been in and I was like, you know, I'm, I realized how bad I am because I'm always talking about things. And I realized that I'm trying to manipulate the situation to control it in some way. And I said, I I wish I could be more like you. You're so quiet and submissive. And she went, what? (laughs) You know, and then as we're talking it through and, and over the next few years, as I knew her and came to, you know, we really loved each other and she was great. But I realized that being a talker or being a little bit more quiet, both are women who are under the curse still trying to do the same thing. We are both trying to get to the same goals, maybe using different methods of doing it. Well, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on any, any preachers, but I've heard wives obey your husbands being preached as shut up woman and get me a sandwich. And that's that, preacher trying to control somebody because you can't read Ephesians 5 and read the next set of verses where it says, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and not see that your role, husband, is to be sacrificially loving your wife. So maybe he needs to fix the sandwich. So maybe you get up and fix sandwiches for both of them. Honestly, I don't, I would probably just like, I I'd like my my sandwich the my, my own way, so I'm just so you're just so speaking. you're just a control site. Yeah, I'm just gonna, okay. What did you do with the mayonnaise? <laughs> exactly. This is too much. This is not enough. I wanted light ice. So this is di- like every, all of that. I'll just, you know what? You know, I'll just do it myself. It's fine. It's fine. Just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and so, <clears throat> reality that that the curse is saying that in both the husband and wife's case, sin has now made it to where you're going to fight for control in your marriage. Mm-hmm. That the way that plays out is going to look different. But on the good days, it's beautiful. Oh, absolutely. And I will say, I will say that, <clears throat> okay, so what we see from the curse, this is just observation. I, uh, as Piper said, we're just observing the text now. We're not, we're not. What I see from, from the text is that a woman's greatest need is intimacy. And by intimacy, I don't mean sex. I mean... she. You know me. Right. That you, you know, know me, that you know what my needs are. You don't have to ask me where I want to eat because you know me so well that you know where I want to eat. What's my favorite color? Yeah, he, exactly. He knows he's going to have that. He's going to, you know... So her greatest desire is intimacy. Now, it's a little bit harder to suss out of what Adam's being told, but since it's all talking about vocation, I will point this out. I have... God's allowed me to to have the, the privilege to visit lots of places on this earth. And I've always thought it was funny that a universal, uh, almost across all cultures, that when two men meet, within 30 seconds of them meeting, one of them will say, so what do you do? Everywhere on earth, and whether that's Turkey, Nepal, Cuba, Dominican Republic, that, what do you wherever spend your time you are, on? It, it's why do men ask that question? Because they want to know where they fit in the rank hi- and the ranking <laughs> the in the ranking. hierarchy. So what do yes. you do? So I would say that just like we see in the curses to the to the woman, that your desire shall be for your husband, he shall rule over you. Her greatest need is intimacy. From the man, I see that his greatest need is respect. And I've seen that play out. I I will say that men crave that and by respect I don't mean that 
that he's looking for his wife to kowtow to him or to but what And some guys are like that in jerks. That's, I mean so, oh, some absolutely. Are, so that guy who stood up and preached about a sandwich. Prob- probably right. that guy. And yeah. he, and you know, we, we throughout human history we found ways to justify what's really just being a jerk. Yeah. Um when I was a teenager, you know, people would do the spiritual gift inventories every six months. And pe- I've heard people say, um, well, you know what, I, my spiritual gift is prophecy, so I'm just a jerk. you got to deal with it. Or, you know what, I, 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 I'm... I tell it like it is. I just tell, I, I just I'm just tell that, it like it is. I'm a Scorpio. Yeah. I'm just going to be... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, no, Karen, you're just a jerk. No. I'm a Scorpio. Libra. Yes. I don't even know what a Scorpio. If you're a Scorpio, I'm not trying to offend you. I don't say he just thought of the first one that he thought of. It made me. It yeah, may not be. Who knows? We're not real sure. I'm a Sagittarius, so you're just gonna have to get past it. No, yeah. no, it's just you're just being I a just, jerk. I just see things black and white, and, it's not, and that's not a race joke. But I just like I just I see things, you know. I just I just I just say them how they are, like you said, you know. And like it's just at this point, you're just you just so give it. You're just giving us a heads up. Is it that okay you're a if turd. I give the open response back then of like, no, that has nothing to do with your star alignment. That's just because you're no, a you're jerk. Just, no, you're just a jerk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And and you know, being somebody that nobody wants to be around is not a spiritual gift, dude. So it's not listed, is it? Is yeah. it for the spirit? <laughs> Uh, so we see c- control and self-idolatry is weaving its way through both people's heart. and we It's see, already there, right. We, we see how that plays out. Well, and we see like a lot of men whenever you hit that. I mean, that whole the whole idea behind the whole men love crisis is I have come to a point where I feel like I don't matter anymore. Like what I do doesn't matter anymore. I don't see it all. It, it all comes down. And like even in, again, me, like Matt Matt's personality, it, it's probably not in super – Arrogance, I guess. I don't. I don't know if I. If I. I, I, feel, I try my hardest not to come across, across as arrogant, but like for me, it's. I want to. I want to do stuff that matters. I want to. I want to be a person that matters. Like that's just. That, I don't. I don't. I don't know where that comes from, other than just. We well, just all talk of about us live for in, purpose. We all a, want a purpose in our life, and God gives us that. It's our submission to him and our walk with him that leads that purpose into either a place of humility or a place of pride. But see, this is where I, I wish that that would be the purpose that I could say I struggled with. Though it's it's do I, who who do I matter to and who am I important to and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So it's it, I would love to but claim that I'm tie that, to, yes, that all ties together. I, I would love to yeah. say that I'm striving for that purpose, but in my sin, I'm usually not. It, it, again, it's much more like who who am I impressing? Who's watching? Who's this? Whatever. And like when God convicts me of that, it's like you moron, you're so. You're so dumb, and then I get realigned with that of searching for what God has laid before me, what God has set before me. Not a, and then that's his not even purpose as, for me does not have to be um, the ranking yeah, that, that we were just talking and about. And that's, that's not a minister standpoint. That's not a church staff standpoint. That's as a disciple, as a believer, Absolutely. as a follower of Christ. Like mm-hmm. That's not just for the three of us here who could say we're blessed enough to work in church service and right. church ministry. That's not that, – that that's – for every believer ever that God has given you a purpose, that God has called you to something, uh, whether it's you're going to be the most God-fearing, gospel-sharing electrician that there ever is, or you're going to be the most, I mean, godly mother that stays at home and raises a bunch of godly kids. Whatever, and wherever you fall on that spectrum, God has a purpose for you, and that's what you chase after. But for me, like sometimes I'll want to chase how I matter in every other every other system. circle outside of how how am I how am I chasing a, a after God and chasing after what God has set before me? Because the ranking system of the world versus the ranking before God 
is two different things. Yeah. Well, and, and the enemy loves to take beautiful things that God has created and warp them. Mm-hmm. And so God has called all, Jesus called all of his disciples to go do great things, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And where the enemy twisted it was not to just want to be great for God, but to be the greatest. Mark. Jesus yeah. caught them Mark, multiple times. Yeah. Mark 9, they're arguing on the way, and they're yes. like, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And, and so <laughs> the difference is, is God called me to be great for him when I cheapen that to, well, I'm better than this guy. Right. I'm better than him. Then it becomes wicked and evil. And this relationship, the 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 wife and the mother being on the emotional side, a natural nurturer, is a beautiful thing. The husband being somebody that pushes their family to, to better things, to let's improve ourselves. Let me get out here. Let me be that guy that works 16 hours a week so that I can, I can you respect me and respect the fact that I'm providing for this family. And we work together, and this is a beautiful thing that can lead to, you know, people who in this church have celebrated 60 years of, of marriage the enemy can warp that into i've had couples that sat down in my office that literally as the husband's describing how much he dislikes his wife she's <clears throat> glaring straight ahead and you can feel the venom coming off of her and this was a couple that probably 10 years before you know she had was having her big day and she she wore this huge out expensive outfit and you know she had written down in a notebook over and over again mrs jerry johnson or what what how does the enemy take us from that love and to that hatred in such a short window? And it's through selfishness. And I will tell you, I'm not saying I do it, what the, the antithesis of the curse is this. And I can tell you unequivocally, if you want happiness in your marriage, let me tell you how to find it. Spend your marriage trying to make your spouse happy. If I do everything in my power and I fight not for my happiness and not for my way, but to make sure that my wife is happy and that everything that happens to her is what's best for her, if I work to do that and she's even trying a little bit, you'll have the perfect marriage. And so, so often we read the curse or we hear Ephesians 5 being preached and what instead of thinking, I need to change my heart. I'm thinking, I hope she's hearing this. She needs to, mm-hmm. she, this is what she needs to do. Mm. Or my friend needs to do this. Oh, or I absolutely. say this to fix somebody else instead of looking at how it, how it should affect my heart and my consciousness as I walk around. And so what we see in the curse is that the enemy has wormed into their hearts and their affections to where the wife is longing for someone to know her, that mental and spiritual oneness. That's what she's longing for. And yet so often it, we see as a result of the fall, her doing everything in her power almost to undermine that. And the husband longing for his wife to respect him and to admire him. And it's almost like because of the fall, he does everything in his power to make sure that can never happen. To make himself look like an idiot. And that was that is a quote out of my my book. Not that, I'm not talking about anybody else. <laughs> that is that is yeah. first that is a first hand quote. Yes. Of instead me like no it's kinda like what you did. But <laughs> in order to make sure I look really awesome, really cool, I look a complete just jerk. But owning it. 
is such an important part. Both of those roles and being able to communicate that well to each other, even if it's brief, if you're not a talker, but owning it, being able to have the ability to either say, I'm sorry, or here's what I was trying to accomplish and I didn't do well. You know, that's so important. 90% of all marriage counseling is just convincing people that nobody can read your mind. Oh, my. But I want him to be able to read my mind. He needs to know what restaurant I want today because just the other day we went to one of our other favorites, and I've had it, and I want to go to the other one. So we're leaving church on Sunday. I'm under conviction. I already don't feel good about it, and he doesn't know where I want to go. How does he not Uh, know? You know? I hear you. But that's, uh, and you realize he doesn't, and it's unreasonable expectation. He does not know when I want him to load the dishwasher. Mm, Yeah, PSA, he's clueless. He's clueless. He does not know. All of us are clueless. Just just shooting in the dark here. (laughs) No, and when the kids come along, and he he does not know that I want him to take this diaper because I've been with them all day long. Right. He he doesn't see it that way. He's just come in from work. And and you, you you can almost in a Pavlovian sense get trained. Okay, so here's one of the big mistakes I made in marriage is I learned when the kids were little bitty, okay, if she's in a foul mood and things are bad, I take the kids and go give her some time. And at some point, uh, I, I she she's, you know I'm, I'm sure I presented it in a loving place. Like, well, clearly you're in a bad mood, so I'll take the kids and get out of here. And she looked at me. She said, "I don't want my family to leave. I want to be with y'all." And so I'm like, "Well, crap! I I want there to be a flow chart of if then, right? <laughs> if." If fussy, I need, I need a Venn diagram. Yes, of just I got this circle and this yes. circle, and this is one where we're, we're intertwining both. The and circles, I'm, I'm and like, there's the sweet I'm spot like, right in the middle, baby. I love you, but and I'm looking. <laughs> if she says this, then are the kids fussy? Yes, no. I'm working through this. Give me a second. All right, so I'm taking the kids to Hardy's. Are the dishes done? Is it my fault? And it just has a breath always. Yes. <laughs> was it's, it it's was not. it my fault always? Not. We know when it's our fault. And we know when it's your fault. And and we know but it, you know, it, but you do. You actually have to just say, Okay, is this a take the kids and run kind of moment? Or is this a you need to go for a ride in the car? Or is this a Oh, I just need to... I'm giving you the checkbook and you disappear. <laughs> I know. Or is this a, I need to run to Sonic for supper so we all sit down together and have a picnic outside somewhere. Yes. You know, it kind of, I just and need And so that takes communication. Yeah, it does. And and I, uh, I will usually, and it's somewhat fictitious, but it's a conglomeration of multiple things, will tell couples or even when I'm teaching marriage stuff, the, a story that, that, that did happen. Um, we had had Molly... Uh, so Molly's birthday is the first of October. So this is Thanksgiving. So we have a two month old. Um, my fa- we had decided, we had decided together. She just bit off more than she could, she could chew that my family was going to come to the house for Thanksgiving. The original thinking was, is I don't want to get up, load these kids, go from house to house to house. So everybody can come to me. <laughs> and so we thought we'd work through this. It's going to be perfect. It's oh. going to be perfect. So it's Thanksgiving morning. Um, she's been up since 4 a.m. Yeah, she's been up in. basting a turkey. <laughs> I'm sitting in the, the, the living room. We had just uh, w- watched the Macy Day Parade. Oh, wow. Which your kids 
absolutely love, by the way. Oh, I, just, yeah. I need to put, I I need to put that out the there. I parade, but I haven't gotten to watch it since I had I have I had never kids, met okay? a 16-year-old girl who was so distraught than when Lizzie came to me, was talking to me one Wednesday of when they canceled the, the Macy's, Macy's Day Parade oh, this yes. year. She was broken. The she Macy's Day so Parade and the dog show that follows my family <laughs> sits there and watches like <laughs> – like it's not okay. So we'd watch that. <laughs> I remember being angry as a young mom because I'm in the kitchen Thanksgiving morning and I am like running crazy trying to get everybody's clothes ironed and washed and ready to go, trying to get the the food that I've got to take to the three different places we had to go. And I can't watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. She just put a TV in the kitchen. And, oh, well, you, but at that time it was solution. like 300 pounds and have to. Okay, so <laughs> Anne's in the kitchen and she's she's. You know, doing whatever she's doing. I'm in with with the kids, and then the way Thanksgiving stuff kind of segues, it goes Macy's Day Parade, the dog show, and then you go right into used to be Detroit versus Texas Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And now I think they've divided it where the Cowboys play I keep somebody. Up with none and, of the sports events. So yeah. I'm watching the football game. The family's going to get here, you know, in an hour and a half. The littles don't are. Emily's the only one who's – she didn't want to watch football, so she's wandered in the kitchen with, with her mom. And I'm sitting there watching football. Anne is increasingly getting angry. And in Ooh, her mind, she's thinking, pans are getting this fool knows <laughs> that his parents and sister and, and brother-in-law are coming to our house. He's got She's got a child on a leg that she's dragging around. And she's slamming yeah. pots together. I'm sitting in the living room going – and I don't care about either team. I hate the Cowboys. And I didn't even know that Detroit had a football team until I had to look it up on the Internet. And so, I, but I'm watching this game going, you know, whoever the people with the stars on their heads are, those people need to get their end play together. I'm, I'm not. I keep it down in there or turning the volume up just instinctively. <laughs> Turn the volume she's up. She's so loud in the kitchen. Where she's Goodness, what is she in there doing? So finally, <laughs> it, it builds from she's annoyed to she's angry to the volcano erupts. And, and I have she's a. She's dumping the mashed potatoes on your head. Yes, I yes. have a child with a poopy diaper <laughs> thrown into my lap and I'm yelled at. And, and it comes down to if you'd loved me, you would know. <laughs> How did you not know, though, Tom? But when I'm telling this story, it's always funny because, I, I, again, I use this example over and over in marriage counseling. The wife is sitting there angry and for Ann's behalf, and your cheeks are a little flush right now, Donna. I mean, you're you're angry. and <laughs> I'm on her behalf, and this is 20 years later. And, and the guys like, are sitting there going, yeah, I mean, just say something. Just say just something. Just stick your head in the door. I'm not unreasonable. I'll do whatever <laughs> you, you tell me, but just tell me. Say, hey, can you come in and, and snap these beans? I'm on it. 100%. <clears throat> and so that but by the time I've reached the point where I'm going to say that the way that I say come and put the carrots on the cook or whatever it is that I'm or doing. Or can you take this child that you made? Then it turns into a fight because I say it ugly. Oh, absolutely. And then you're on the defensive and we end up going. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. So how'd, so, that, so how'd that Thanksgiving go? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. This is that's one of those where the family leaves is like something was was not. Tom and Ann must be having problems. And that, that baby must real was really be keeping her up. I think there's some I think there's some postpartum depression going on. Oh. No, it's just a husband who's a jerk. Uh, what the problem? Yeah. All right. So the fall still affects us today. So I, I um, we we are going to go from this to Noah and see how badly uh. the fall affects. Um, the humanity uh, just a, a few thousand years later. So Consequences continue. Consequences continue. 
and the drumbeat of we desperately need someone to, we need a superhero. We need somebody to step into human history and fix it. So this has been Not Another Church Podcast. This, I'm your host, Pastor Tom. I'm Donna. I'm our children's and women's minister here at North Glencoe. And I'm Matt, and I'm the student pastor here. And we'll catch you guys next week. Go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening, and go serve your king.